So, Kenny, we are back for another episode, and it's been a little while since we we did our last episode. Yes, it has. <laughs> okay. Um, and what's interesting is this week we're going to talk about Isaac, um, and he's called Abraham's only son, which we'll get into. And you and I are both the only sons in our family as far as uh, our dads go. And since our last podcast, you have had your first son, who is currently your only son. It's kind of kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I've had two girls so far, and now with Justin having a boy, which isn't a hard adjustment right now because he's pretty much sleeping. I'm sure we'll all be playing princess in marriage in a little while. Oh, gosh. Hannah's uh, already blamed him for her uh, spouse. Nice. Um, well, Noah's got me, so it works out. But um, And uh, you gave him a cool name, Eden, like the garden, which uh, um, is pretty cool. I uh, wanted to let everyone know a couple of things as we start this podcast. We are attempting our first podcast where Kenny and I are in two different locations, um, I am currently in Charlottesville, Virginia, and Kenny, you are Charleston, South Carolina, sir. That's a lie. You're in Hollywood, South Carolina, uh, but uh, just outside of Charleston. <laughs> so we're uh, we're going to see how it works when we're apart, and if we can make this work, so that we can uh, not have to wait on me to visit once a month, since Kenny never comes to see me. Um, just kidding. Yes. You did help me move in, but. It'll take a little bit of adjusting, learning how to use it this, this way. I think we'll make it quickly. Um, and I, I wanted, uh, Kenny, you don't know that I was going to do this, but I really enjoyed a post that you put on menintheword.com this week. And somebody else also posted that they, it was just, they said, uh, thank you for this, Kenny. It was just what I needed to read at this time in my life. And you talk about the struggle uh, with sin, and you kind of summed it up um, saying that, you know, the time is short. When we understand the depths of darkness that is in our natural hearts, we can feel how precious uh, His, being Jesus' blood, is to our souls. The older I get, the more I can see times in my life that I was completely numb to reality in my mind. Um, and you compare it to tripping along in a minefield, but yet God... Uh, God keeps you from uh, stepping on a mine completely. And um, and then you summed it up with, This I am sure of. If I had been left to myself, I would have destroyed my life and the lives of those I love. I praise Him for His protection and forgiveness. My failures remind me that we are at war every day, and I need His protection. My blood reminds me that I will die. His blood cries glory and assures me that I will live. And uh, I thought that was really cool, and I, I really appreciate you writing that. And uh, it was pretty. I really, I've read it a couple times. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. One of those things that God just kind of started around my heart. It came together pretty quickly, but it's uh, definitely something I've been feeling lately. Well, I shared it with a couple of guys up here, up in D.C. and. Uh, and uh, I'm very interested to see what they think. I know that one of them really appreciated being able to read it. And so um, it's really cool. 
Um, so this week we're going to press on with uh, Genesis uh, chapter 22. There is a lot in between um, what we have covered um, with Lot and, and everything up to this point. We're kind of skipping over Ishmael, which we'll touch on a little bit today. Um, he is a very, very important character, and perhaps we'll go back and, and look at him. But we're pressing forward with the, the theme of patriarchs. So that brings us to Isaac, and we are going to jump right into the famous story where uh, many people uh, say, and the scriptures say, that God tests Abraham and, um, and ask him to bring his son um, and make him an offering. So that's, uh, that's our... Definitely a very strange passage to uh, a lot of people who haven't read the Bible and are familiar with the story. What's so cool about this story, I think, Kenny, is what we'll see, that some of, some of the obvious and some of the not-so-obvious... Um, things that, that make this story a very early, um, well, it teaches a lot about how the scriptures can be revealed, but it really shows us what God planned long before Jesus came. Um, it, there's a lot in this I think people are hopefully going to see and enjoy, and there's probably even more that maybe folks will be able to comment on and share with us. So you want to jump right into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Genesis chapter 22, um, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 19 to just put this in perspective since we're really tackling these verses. I'll start. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took him. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called out to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will bless you and make you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the will take possession of the cities of their enemies, 
and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. All right, so pretty crazy story. Um, the The first thing that jumps out to me, Kenny, is um, that he calls Isaac his only son. Yet we know that he has another son in Ishmael. Right. <clears throat> and um, that actually, I think I've I've heard people talk about it being like a, an error or something like that. But I mean, it's obvious that in the few chapters before we see that Ishmael one of his sons as well. Um, of course, I guess the answer could be that this is after Ishmael has been sent away. Um, and and what can be seen and, and why why was Israel I think would be the answer to why why did they say that okay um, well I mean I guess my I mean let's want to share a thought on it or no you can go ahead with that and uh, I, I think there's even more to it uh, but we'll get to that go ahead. I wanna, so why why was Ishmael sent away? Uh, just just real quick, since I know we well, we covered one mainly focus on this was just to talk about in previous podcasts was Ishmael was uh, the natural child, born of a husband and a wife getting together and deciding, and he was he was a picture of the fact that only those that. Uh, were not the natural children would inherit. So Isaac was a promised child, was uh, appointed by God to be born at a certain time. And, um, he he was the one that would inherit uh, what was promised to Abraham, which was uh, promises of the land, Canaan, and land. And I mean. Uh, there's a lot more to it, and if you want to look into it in more depth, then you really need to read the book of Galatians, which will really just kind of lay that whole thing out. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing that you and I kind of talked about earlier was that Abraham, or that um, Jesus is called, is, is God's only son, but we know that we're children of God. So there's right. there's kind of this similarity that we can become children of God again because of the sacrifice that Jesus made as a sinless man who um, bore our sins so that we could we could be righteous and that we could we could be credited righteousness because of him and so which they talk it talks about in Galatians 3 as well which you um, just mentioned so we see this example that you we can all become children of God and even children of Abraham uh, being children of Abraham, being under God, which Galatians gets into, but it's an example that, yes, there he did have this son, but he was the natural, and now we've got the supernatural who um, is representing Christ in a lot of ways, uh, or pointing to Christ who will come, um, and then we can all become children. So hopefully that made sense, but you know, you know what I mean. 
Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good intro into the fact that what you're looking at there is you're looking at the language of the very story is perfect point of um, something that God called off Abel from the point that we now have learned that happens in Christ. And uh, Archie was talking about John 3.16 that was very popular. One, most people know that God gave, he gave his one and only son. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And also in, in, it says in 1 John 4.9 that he sent his one and only son into the world that we may you know, the way we look at that, it's uh, one, it's one uh, narrative, you know, uh, given by God. So he's going to use the same language um, thousands of years earlier, not, not language necessarily, but um, wording. And, and then we see that Jesus was called the only son as well. And we believe they point to each other, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're going to, that's, that's a great way to segue into this next, into um, back into Genesis 22 um, in the sense that we, we can see a lot of similarities in the language, which we know is perfect. Um, and we've talked about that before. Um, some of the examples, um, Going through it, I remember you and I talking about this uh, probably about a year ago um, in the men's group um, where we get Abraham bringing his only son to be the sacrifice. We know that uh, he takes him up on the third day, which uh, is no coincidence. It's verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Pretty interesting. We know of another only son who will be. Um, you got the three days, you know, as far as right. that goes. Um, and, and so that was going to be one of the signs of that Christ said uh, was actually going to be a sign was that the three days, um, you know, just as Jonah was in the belly of a whale, you know, the Son of Man will be in the earth three three days. And, yeah. And so one of the things here, too, that someone might say, well, there's a major difference. Well, this was the day he was going to take him up to sacrifice him. And with Christ, he was sacrificing in the grave for three days. But as we'll see here in a bit, Abraham, um, it, it says that Abraham reckoned that God could raise someone from the dead. Um, and so though it was the day that he was to sacrifice Isaac, it was also the day that Isaac was raised from the dead, figuratively speaking. That's a good point. That, yeah, because one thing we know is that the moment that the way the word of God works, the moment that God commanded that of Abraham, um, it, it the command was was done. I mean, right? I mean, he commanded Abraham to do that, and it was either dis, disobedience, which would lead to you know you could say a spiritual death, or right. I mean, it was as good as done when he said it. So it's like you said. Isaac was actually, it looks like he was taken up there to be sacrificed, but he was actually given back his life up there. It's really profound. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you want to read uh, the Hebrews verse? 
I'm sorry, you you broke up there. What was that? Uh, yeah. We... Hebrews chapter chapter 11 I'd say verse starting in verse 17 through 19 maybe it'll make more sense what we're talking about to those listening all right so in Hebrews uh, 11 17 says by faith Abraham when God tested him offered Isaac as a sacrifice he who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise from the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. That's huge. So we see a lot of the same language, his one and only son, and he's saying, what I think is cool is when he says that he reckoned, or Abraham reasoned that God could raise him from the dead, which is, is crazy to think about the faith that Abraham had at this point. But when uh, even in verse five, he says to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So what's interesting there is he's telling the servants that he and the boy will come back. Yeah, he, he always I mean, he. It's exactly what Hebrew said. He, he was believing God that he would raise him from the dead because God had told him that he would that he would be his offspring, that it was through Isaac that he would be reckoned. So he knew that Isaac would have to live in some way. It's, it's, it's really, it's really amazing. It says, it's just really challenges me from an application standpoint. Yeah. And he also, um, he also had been revealed the heart of God at this point as well. I mean, so, I mean, it sounds not that men could fathom the whole heart of God, I'm saying, but he had a relationship with them. And and the fact that he he knows God is not doing this for evil at this point. I mean, this is the faith of Abraham being uh, revealed as well, and also kind of being it's being completed by what God asks of him as well. Um, it's the I, I know what you're saying. The fact that I mean, th this is beyond really understanding this level of faith to me. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think uh, the verses in James really get to that. Um, James 2, verse 20. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, which to me says that he would have done that to his son. I mean, his faith was like in his action. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scriptures and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. What's interesting is what you were just talking about. And it says it here in verse 23, he was called God's friend. And I think that that's a lot deeper than we realize, you know. Right. It, it, I mean, I, I truly believe Abraham's relationship with God, um, it, it looks very mysterious because we know that he didn't have, like, the Word of God we have now. But I think it was on the same level um, of, un, of, well, not that we're on the same level of his faith, but it's just like somebody would, what we understand about Jesus today, um, we know that he loves us. And I think Abraham 
knew that God loved him. And, I mean, this was a full relationship. So this isn't a, just a, uh, and this is a part of him revealing himself to Abraham as well, what happens here. Oh, yeah. To Abraham and to us and to, gosh, um, all of the Jews that would follow up until the time of Christ, really, you know? Right. So, um, what's cool is, uh, then in verse six, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. What does that remind you of? (laughs) Who's carrying the wood? The sacrifice. Right. Right. And, and what, who, what does Christ carry for? I mean, he, he's literally going to carry the cross on his back the wood in which he would be sacrificed on. And it's not an accident that it's wood. I mean, it's not like it's, they had composite plastic back then. That would be better to sacrifice people on, right? Yeah, right. Right. I mean, it's just perfect to that point. I mean, so, I mean, once again, we're, I mean, what we're stating here is that this is very much a picture. This is God foretelling exactly what's going to happen with Christ. And, uh, the, the the receiving from the dead because of what takes place. And we'll so see. So what we're looking at. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm saying, so when we, when we point out like the wood, or, you know, pointing to the cross, and, and we're talking about the language, it's it's because, um, I mean, you, you can take this and you can understand the gospel from it without any of the New Testament, but, you know, when revealed by the Spirit. Right. In here. And we, we see that. What, what's Man, it's really cool that you say that because if you think about, all right, we, we hear from Abraham again, and, and I've brought this up before, and of course I, I really love this story. We hear from Abraham again in the New Testament. Um, like literally, you know, his words, him speaking. Um, and... It, it's in, uh, I'll just go to the Luke, Luke portion, um, and it's where Abraham, it's a rich man and Lazarus, there's a rich man, and when he was on earth, he had a beggar, Lazarus, who was covered in sores, and he longed to eat with, at the rich man's table, and even the dogs came and licked on the sores of, of Lazarus, and then they both die, and the rich man's in hell, and Lazarus is in heaven, and uh, starting in Luke 16, verse 23, as in hell where he was in torment, he looked up, being the rich man, and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. And Abraham goes on and says to him that, you know, in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus received bad things, but now Lazarus is comforted and he's in agony. Um, and it says... Uh, you know, besides this, there's a great chasm between the two of us. But then he begs Lazarus, uh, he begs Abraham to send Lazarus to his father's house to warn his five brothers about um, about hell. And Abraham, in verse 29, responds, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And he says, no, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent, which is crazy because that's that's what Christ did, right? And then it says in 31, he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. 
So this, to me, cries out that this story should have, you know, of course Abraham got it, but it should have shown, should have shown the rich man even. Yeah. Right, and and I mean Abraham is is uh, the one that that Jesus points to to show that that God, there is a resurrection and there is a God that raises from the dead to the Sadducees when he says, um, you know, didn't God say to Moses? The burning bush. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I mean, Abraham is is very much um, the, the first time that man is is being revealed. Uh, you could say the first time, but I, I mean, you know, plain in Scripture that we're being revealed that God is. You know, there is going to be a resurrection. He does raise from the dead. You know, we're, we're not just meant to go to dust, and that's it. Um, through what you're, you know, what you're talking about there, what we see here. Yeah, I mean, the uh, some other verses just to, that that point back to what Abraham understands that give credit to this story. Think of John eight um, says, "Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad." And Jesus goes on and says, "Before Abraham was born, I am." Um, and then in Romans we have, "For us who believe in him who raised Jesus." And then Galatians three eight, you know. It says it, that the gospel was announced in advance to Abraham. Um, and in Galatians 3 and then at 16, it says, And to your seed, where we would know that he knew that Christ would come, that he would be the one. So um, pretty wild, pretty wild. Yeah. Um, when you get further down in the story, um, it's crazy. Isaac actually says to Abraham, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He says lamb, and Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, which is totally prophecy. God is going to provide the lamb, right? Right. I mean, that's the fact that I, I don't know why I've read this many times, which is this is exactly where the scripture works. I know I've looked at that, but the fact that you're pointing out, I knew Isaac asked where the sacrifice was, but just didn't hit me until he said that the fact that he's asking where the lamb is i mean he he there's this there's this showing that a lamb is going to um give give him life bring back his life that's really huge yeah and and and, and i mean for those that are listening that might be not might not be familiar god chose the lamb to um represent well, the sacrifices that would take away from sin. I mean, he did the Passover lamb when uh, when the Israelites were in slavery and they're going to be brought out of Egypt. Death passed over their houses when they slaughtered the lamb, which was pointing to Christ, who was the lamb of God. And this is pointing to Christ, um, calling him the lamb as well. And in Christ, um, Christ's blood is what atones our our sins and, and gives us life that's why he's called the lamb because um, he represents the acceptable sacrifice right and even uh when when john the baptist sees jesus for the first time he says look the lamb of god I mean, you can see that in john uh 136 um and i think uh there's some scripture that says it's in uh, Isaiah 53, which 
speaks to Christ. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. I'm talking about Christ. So, um, and there, there, are, there are a ton more verses that, that speak to that. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. It's like it's, it's almost like Isaac. He may not, and and I think um, this gives us an example of how God uses men's understanding. It gives them understanding at an elementary level, and then it grows. That Isaac asked about a lamb which I believe that's exactly what he said, but it's also perfect in the sense that he should have asked for a lamb. Like, right, and he, he could have asked for a goat. I right. Mean, because there were, there were different things that were sacrificed. Um, it, yeah. It, it, that raises the question, well, why, why did God provide a ram, not a lamb, caught in the thicket? And that's a, that's a valid question. I think I know the answer to that is the fact that I mean, the ram, well, if you really want to see the lamb of God, you know, Jesus is called the lamb of God in the book of Revelation more than any other book in the Bible. Um, it really shows him uh, as the, I mean, it, it's a full story of it, of his atoning sacrifice. And in it, in the beginning, he, he has seven horns too. So, I mean, this lamb, the lamb that is, the, the sacrifice on the cross, um, but this lamb has a lot of power too. <laughs> if that okay. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and, and so he actually is is uh, seen with seven horns in the beginning of the book, which is you know really complicated. Not complicated at all. I mean, go read it. It's just something that would take time to read, look at. Cool. Well, what's also interesting about the ram, as, as we move, you know, uh, as we progress through the, the verses here, it says uh, that the ram actually got caught in the thicket. I mean, he's literally caught in thorns, right? And right. the crown of thorn is, thorns are placed on Christ's head. So, and, and I keep, so I can't help, Kenny, but to look at this story and think of Abraham as, what, what are the similarities that we see in Abraham and God, God himself? Um, I believe it's in Isaiah 53, and I probably should have had it up, where it actually says that, um, let me go to Isaiah 53. You may know it right off the top of your head, I'm not sure, but that, that God actually takes... Like he he's the one that put Christ on the cross. So we look at yeah, Christ was 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 uh, put before Pilate and he was brought and and all the all the people of the time wanted him crucified. Yet God is the one that allowed it to happen and actually willed it to happen. And that's a very good point. And Abraham is actually choosing to allow this to happen. Um. Do you know what verse that is? It's in 53, isn't it? Um, look while I'm looking, um, that's that's a really good point. I mean, the fact that Abraham is the one I found who it. binds him, and, and, I mean, Christ is bound by the Word of God, too, and he is the Word of God. But, I mean, it, it, while you're getting ready to look at that, I mean, in Luke 9.22, Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer many things uh, and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, 
and he must be killed and on the third day be raised from the dead, uh, dead or raised to life. He's saying these things must happen. And in Gethsemane, the, the garden, you know, he's he's talking to his father and it's his father's will for it to happen. So go, yeah. go ahead and, and what would you have in Isaiah? It's uh, Isaiah 53:10. yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The the uh, so it's it's the Lord's will for Christ to suffer on the cross for our sins, um, and I, I think that we also don't need to forget kind of the obvious here in the sense that Isaac is a boy at this point. I don't think we know exactly how old he is because it says sometime later, um, but he's. I mean, who can picture a boy? You picture a boy, a young boy, and you know that they are, in in the in the sense of the world and understanding, they're completely innocent. You know, I mean, he, he right. uh, they're not innocent because we're born with a sinful nature, in the grand scheme of things. But you know, we can look at it and go, here is a father who is willingly taking his son and going to sacrifice him to worship the Lord, as it says here, and his son. I mean, what could his son do to deserve to be murdered by his father? But it's it's for it's for a greater will and a greater purpose. Um, and it's to save, yeah, you know, I don't know, to save us all, of course. Well, yeah, and I want to I want to point out the fact that I mean, to Abraham at this point, this this is the only only way to bring life to his son is to follow God, and, wow. and it's the same way with us now. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's huge. It, I mean, it, this isn't this isn't an option. I mean, this is this is the, the plan of God, and life is in it. And, and without God, there is no life. So Abraham could turn his back on God and what what is asked of him. And and I fully believe this wasn't some vague voice. Abraham knew God said this. I mean, Abraham was fully trained in the armor of God, the same way the New Testament reveals. He knew who God was. He understood what had been revealed to him about God. So when this was commanded, um, I, I'm sure as a man, he had all the same, he had struggles. You know, I mean, I, I assume, I mean, it doesn't say it, but I also know that it says that he fully reckoned that God could raise from the dead. He, he was going into this looking for life. Not death, and uh, and that's yeah. that's the difference. Um, we don't understand this. We don't understand it because we we weren't put in this place. We weren't given the task that Abraham was given. Um, but he, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. It is really cool. It is really cool. Um. Well, let's. I mean, what? So, so he sacrifices the ram instead of his son, as it says in thirteen, and then fourteen says that Abraham called that place the Lord will provide on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Which is there's a lot to the mountain of the Lord and all, and, and we know that's pretty deep. But, well, yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, it's interesting. He names it the Lord will provide, and he will. He he provides throughout our lives. And then he, of course, provides Jesus. Right. 
Right. That's right. I mean, God provided so that Isaac received back his life. And, and uh, you know, one thing I want to make sure we point out all the parts to this is that this is in the region of Moriah. Um, let me find it really quick. Uh, but this is the same. Uh, Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah. Oh, wow. I have that, I have that scripture. <clears throat> Um, find it real quick. That's awesome. I'm having a hard time. Okay. I'm sorry, I had it right in front of me. And I just... That's all right. I, I think uh, while you're looking for it, it's just, it's so cool that as, as we talk about this, hopefully it makes sense to people listening that, um, you know, that we, the connections and the understanding. Um, it's at Second uh, Chronicles 3, yeah, verse 1. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David was on the threshing floor of Arana, Aruna, the Jebusite, the place provided by David. Okay, yeah, and that, that's, uh, he actually builds it on um, Mount Moriah, and, and Abraham is told to go to the region of Moriah. And it doesn't say that he actually takes Isaac onto Mount, Mount Moriah, but that would be in, in, um, it would parallel Christ because Christ wasn't sacrificed, wasn't crucified inside the city. He was taken outside the city. So the way that I know the the hand of God works through all of history and what He does with this, I I fully believe is on the same spot. I mean, you know what I mean. But we yeah. know we know for a fact that it was in the same region. And it's really interesting is that that region where Christ was going to be sacrificed all that time earlier was three days from where Abraham was camped, you know, thousands of years later, hmm. the, the promised savior was going to be sacrificed. Um, yeah. And in, in verse two, where it says the reason of Moriah after that, it says the, sacri the sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So obviously God is going to give him this specific mountain, um, which I think gives, gives some more credit to what, what you're pointing out so while, while we're looking at that the uh, the language in, in that real quick a couple things that I, I feel like uh, I forgot was uh, the fact that God's when he tells Abraham to sacrifice him he says take your uh, says take your son um, Take your son, your only son, whom you love. In in uh, Matthew three seventeen, God said, "This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased." Um, and He calls him the son. I mean, He says the same exact thing about Jesus uh, in a few other spots in the New Testament, which I think is really cool. Um, the fact that it uses the same language. Oh yeah, and the fact that Abraham sets out on a donkey 
three day three day journey, <laughs> and, and Christ comes riding in on donkey to the wow. city. Yeah, and that's three days before. I mean, right? Well, it's the day of the Passover. We know he's 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 grabbed Passover night. Um, you know, so give her. I mean, I think it works out to be close to three days there. Um, the fact that he Abraham sets out with two servants. Oh he, yeah, you know, he, he's got two servants that come with him. So those guys are witnesses to the fact. So Just like the two that were on the the two criminals too, right? Yeah, I mean it, it always goes in twos. I mean you've got you've got two groups at the crucifixion. You've got Jews and Gentiles. You've got oh, yeah. You've got the two uh, crucified to him on his right and left. Um, you know you you can see the two even with the two witnesses that go to Sodom. I mean it, there's always this number two is big, but. Okay, I got one for you. Ready? Okay. How about the fact that he's going up there with, uh, says, he takes wood and a knife, right? Fire and a knife. Mm-hmm. But instead of killing him with a knife, the sacrifice becomes the ram, and it's not killed with a knife, it's burned, right? Mm-hmm. As a burnt offering, it says in verse 13. In Psalm 22. Well, he, he would have. He would have killed it with the knife and then burned it. Well, what's interesting there, and maybe maybe this maybe this only makes sense to me, but his mm-hmm. son gets spared from being killed and being killed with the knife. And when Christ is on the cross, he says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Which takes us to Psalm 22, and we can see that it's perfect in explaining what what Christ is saying is, "This is where I'm praying to God." And in verse 20 of Psalm 22, it says, "Deliver my life from the sword." Which yeah, that's interesting. He literally does. Like he, instead of being killed in that way, he's he's taken up onto the cross. I don't right. know. Well, I mean, even even on the cross, even if you you were to say that, well, he was pierced, it doesn't matter. His life was delivered from it because it didn't prevail. Right, and you the piercing I mean? wasn't what killed him. Right, he was already dead, and then they they did that, and the blood and water flowed. I mean, his life was delivered from it. So the, the fact that you have two, that's huge. Um, and also, you pointed out the uh, crown of thorns. Um, and I want to uh, I want to point out one more thing about that is <clears throat> the fact that in the curse in the garden that we're we're to work the ground. You know, it's going to produce thorns and thistles. And the fact that Christ is caught in the, in the, or he has the crown of thorns on his head, and then the ram's caught in the thicket, which would be a thicket of thorns or whatever it might be. And the fact that, I've heard it put this way, that he, Christ is taking this curse on himself right. when, wow. when he did that. But also in the language of the scripture and the perfection of it and the way God spoke in parables through the prophets he he the the wicked men are called um thorns and thistles and stuff in the in the old testament in the ezekiel chapter 2 3 through uh verse 3 he says son of man i am sending you to the israelites a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me um 
He goes on to say, do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you, and you live among scorpions. He's talking about the wicked men. And also in Numbers 33:55, he says, um, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side. So when God looks down and there's the wheat growing, which are the believers that the, the word of God grows well in, and then you've got all the thorns and the weeds growing around. That's the wicked men, things that are trying to strangle out the well-watered stuff that he's, he's tending. Um, which is very much much a picture of the wicked men that have a hold of Christ. They're putting him on the cross, thorns in the thicket that holds him. Uh, but we know that he's also there on his own will, not like they have the power over. Right. So I, just, I just wanted to point that out. No, that's awesome. So then it goes on. And the angel of the Lord comes upon him, um, or calls calls to Abraham from heaven. Um, and it says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. It's interesting that an angel gets his attention. Never noticed that before. And then it says, um, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Um, uh, it's just, it's really cool that literally God is saying, you, did, you didn't withhold your son from me, your only son, so I will bless you, and your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And that's essentially what God is telling us. He's not going to withhold his son from us. His only son, and we are going to be blessed and and live forever because of it. Uh, right. it's, it's pretty cool. So, it's, I mean, he's restating the gospel there again. Saying, um, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. I mean, that, that's the that's the gospel again. The Gentiles. So let's think for a second, Kenny. We we have we're in the latter times. We're after Christ. We have we have the New Testament, and the Old Testament. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us, and it's what you and I pray and seek when we're studying the Word for it to be revealed to us. Let's look at this like um, like the Jews do today and have, and try to think about like God. Like, so Christ comes, and we see the fulfillment of this. We can understand it, um, and, but yet the Spirit reveals it to us, and he reveals it to Abraham even before Christ comes, which is showing us that he can reveal it to who he chooses to reveal it to. But man, it, it's it's kind of wild to look at this and try to separate what we know has happened. You know what I mean? And we can see the connections. Yeah, if, right. I, just, if I just look at it, I still see that God is saying to Abraham, he says, no, wait, I'm going to provide, and I will provide. And Abraham gets it. The Lord will provide is what he names it. And and he provides a sacrifice, and God's not going to provide a sacrifice to himself that's not worthy of being sacrificed for that time. Um, right. And yet it's still hard to separate that, you know. And, no, and, that's, uh, that, I mean, that's a really good point, though. 
um, the fact that you're seeing it's being prophesied in this very moment that a sacrifice is going to have to be given, right? Um, that he will provide it. Right. And, I mean, he tells him, but yet he's still, he's still giving him this thing to understand his descendants. And, and there are plenty of examples of this, but when he says that um, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, well, yeah, we're going to see that. <laughs> we're going to see that right. for sure. It, one thing I love about that, that is that, um, that's exactly what Christ did on the cross when he crushed Satan. Is, is Revelation uh, one eighteen? Uh, this is you know Christ speaking. He says, "I am the living one." I mean, which even in this this these verses that he's talking about, he's this is about the fact that he's the living one, the resurrected one. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. So if you're going to take possessions of the gates of your city, of other cities, of your enemies, you're going to have the keys. And, and Christ says right here, because he was dead, now he's alive. He holds the keys to death in Hades. I mean, that's the gates of our enemies. Right. You know what I mean? How about what's the dead? That's really cool, actually. And And I mean, there's so much to it, man. And I know there's more that we can't even see yet. But I think about um, how about the fact that Jesus says that before Abraham I am, which we talked about earlier. So Jesus is bearing witness to this. So like we've got, I don't know, it's just kind of kind of crazy to think about. And I wonder. So I'm asking. If Abraham brought these two servants, they're most likely not Jews, right? So you kind of you kind of hinted at this before that our example of you know obviously Abraham is a is a witness, and then these two servants understand. So yet it's kind of interesting. I, I wonder what they knew when they come back. You know, like they left with wood and they left with knife and they left with with the the ability to build a fire, and they came back and the sacrifice was accept and there was a sacrifice made. And he, I mean, he he, uh, he says we'll worship and then we'll come back to you. So I just wonder how much they know, you know, if Abraham looked at him and said God provided the sacrifice, you know, right? So he's yeah, I mean, and and Ab I keep thinking about Abraham asking back when God gave him the promise that Isaac would come, that a, a son born supernaturally would come, which is also what happens with Christ, that Ishmael gets to witness the circumcision and experience it to an extent and yet we have this example to show us that you know those that are even descendants of Ishmael can be grafted in can be descendants of Abraham and, and sons and daughters of Christ kind of, right. I don't know I don't know I'm trying to make I don't think I worded that very well but you, you know what I mean yeah, well, it's through, uh, just like in Hebrew says that it's uh, Abraham believed that, you know, God raised from the dead. It talks about that because Isaac was the one that the, his offspring would be reckoned through, um, which we know that it is through Isaac and the way that Christ came through his bloodline, right? I mean, Isaac was a part of the genealogy the you know the the 
the earthly part of the genealogy of Christ. But, yeah, but yet it says all nations on earth will be blessed. So and we and we see that around this throne that that in the in the end when it's all said and done, there's every nation, every language is around the throne there worshiping God. Right. Which is a part of those of Ishmael that um well were called by by God to be covered by the blood of Christ. You know, the yeah. same way we are. So yep, it's me and you, man. Me and you. But, and I mean, even looking back at Ishmael, uh, what happens if we look at Isaac and look forward to Esau and Jacob, which I know we might talk about later, but the fact that Isaac is this representation of this parallel of Christ of what's going to come, the fact that Christ on the surface, he came to bless the, the Jews, the Israel. But the truth is he came to die for the Gentiles as well. And so Isaac, um, which he, it looked like he was going to give the blessing to the firstborn, the one who was, you know, through birthright, which would represent the Jews that were through birthright. Um, instead, he blesses Jacob, um, who had no right to the inheritance except for the fact that Esau had sold it. I take that back. He did have a right sold it for food um and the gentiles the same way came into the blessing um blessing passed from abraham so i don't know if that made any sense no no yeah it's i mean what's crazy to think about is that God talks about understanding the scriptures and understanding the truths about him. And there's there's milk and there's meat. And of course, I mean, thinking about my career field as a speech pathologist, we look at, I look at what a patient can safely swallow, right? So I, when I think of milk, milk is, is a thin liquid. And you have meat, which meat, meat requires chewing. It requires an understanding of how much you have to chew depending on how much is cooked. And then it swallowed. And, and until that, until our swallowing mechanism is kind of compromised, we don't realize how vulnerable it is. It's, you know, it's like a fine motor movement. You think about being really tired after something. It's easy to just kind of push things around, open the door and fall into bed. But if you had to use your fingers at a tired moment and like disarm a bomb or something, that is going to wear you out even more. And so I come at it. From that perspective, when it says the milk and the meat, and I think about, of course, we can't digest any of it without God giving it, and he provides it, and he gives us the ability to consume it. And so it's just so interesting that, of course, he gave us those things to understand more about him. Um, but you think about you and I looking at this section of Scripture, can he, we, we could simply be somewhere... Maybe we're deeper than the milk. Maybe we're somewhere at the consistency of pudding, which is kind of funny, you know, if your kid's pudding. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting kind of kind of nerdy with it, but God, I mean, look, God was God created all things, so He created the milk and He created the meat to teach us something. So when He says that, you and I know that it has 
much more application than just simply milk and meat in the way that you know I mean he they are they are teaching us about him like everything he created is and even they know about Christ you know that they're created or that kind of thing I, mean, I don't know it gets a little weird but I mean you, you know what I'm saying so we, we look at it and I, my point here is that as we look at this even this one little instance in the scriptures you and I may what we're seeing right now may be one level yeah, as we press into it and God and the Spirit just open opens it up because it is so perfect and so deep. It's about the Creator, the all-knowing, all-powerful God. That it yeah. is, it is, there is even there is even more to it. If it's if it's if it's making a statement about this massive pointing to Christ. Yet we know that Christ is going to return, and there's so much more yet to be revealed. What what might it be saying about that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's uh, the the beauty about that is the fact that the the milk and the meat. Um, I mean, having a newborn, you know, you you understand that you can give the newborn milk, but you have no control over whether their body actually processes the milk or, you know, you have no control of it, anything. You know, it's it's absolutely God who makes that nourish their body and, and makes them grow. And the fact that on more than, more than one level of what you're talking about, it's not only of whether it's milk or meat to you, it's the fact that God makes it go into you your faith and makes you grow and nourishes your body with aren't just you know food like we see of the spirit um and 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 the fact that right now i mean we might be barely going more than milk and and i mean 10 years from now we may be reading it for the thousandth time and that's the time that god's going to use it to to open our eyes to a you know something that's going to build our faith even more. It's just that perfect. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, you know we we typically like to explain what our goal here is, and I think that's this is a perfect example to say, listen, this is why we have to continue to press into it. It teaches us about Him, and if we think that by that if we brought everyone on Earth together. Right, that's ever lived and ever truly studied God, and think that we have it all figured out. We're wrong. I mean, even science teaches us that. I mean, you you know what I mean. So we have to understand that. Let that be an encouragement that we're given enough, even in the milk, to know that He's real and true, and that Jesus lived, and it was He was really man, and He was really God. Yet. Let it also encourage us to continue to to go after it, like Paul talks about, like training, so that we can continue to become what Abraham was called. We talked about earlier in in, the, in this podcast, a friend of God. You know, right? And it, you know, he he became a friend of God, and uh, God called him and revealed Himself through speaking to Abraham. And Abraham listened, and he uh, he he 
understood it was the word of God speaking to him. That's what it's the very word that spoke that was spoken to him. We can see the words that were spoken to him in the scripture. We can go and read through them. We we can go and read it now. And um that's that's exactly right. It's it's the same. God will build our faith through his word that we have in our hands the same way he built faith in Abraham by speaking the word. Because yeah. it's the same word, the same power. I think, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's, it's interesting. I think uh, another major piece to it is in verse 12 where it says that God's telling Abraham that he knows that he fears him. And uh, I'm really challenged by that because, you know, we can have these moments and these times and I look at how much I understand about God because he, he's willing to show himself to me. And then, and then there are times in my sin where I don't truly fear him enough. Uh, it's, uh, man, it's, uh, to process and uh i think like we talked about when we first opened up and, and uh, me just uh, referencing what you had written uh, on the blog this week um about the struggle it's just that we have to understand that he he's gonna he's gonna pave the way and, he, and and like abraham says he he will provide and we uh we just have to understand that if it was on us um Man, we'd be we'd be lucky just to be lost in the desert, much less to even find it, kind of thing. Yeah, that's. Um, I think I think we all need to recognize that any faith or strength that we have isn't isn't anything of ourselves. It's absolutely a gift from God. And that's where the trusting in Him comes from, because if if it were by our own strength or our own building of faith, then uh, we wouldn't really need trust in him. We would just we would just go work harder at it, become better at it. Yeah. That there is a level of discipline in the way of you know if you don't ever open your your Bible and, and, and read it, try to let him speak to you. Then obviously, um, not going to speak to you in that manner. I mean, I, I believe. When he's ready to speak to you, just because you won't open it, he will speak to you. Maybe through hearing it, but obviously, I think it should be searching it. But um, we absolutely give that to him, just like uh, I, I fully believe Abraham gave that credit to him. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to think about what we talked about before with Melchizedek that. Uh, He's, he's literally had a piece of the Lord's table for this point. I mean, he's had the bread and the wine and, um, yeah. and the fellowship. Um, he's seen God like he told him he would. When God said, uh, I'm your shield, I'm your very great reward. I mean, God led him through with 318 men or 317 men and, and uh, made him victorious to rescue Lot. Uh, I mean, it, man, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's just funny. I, uh, feel like I can't remember much anymore and I, I have a problem with memory and recall. I feel just so overwhelmed sometimes yet there are things that God just has, has written on my heart 
and those those understandings in scripture like you and I've talked about like our mind is one thing but to have them written on our heart and our soul and to know the truth about him is is something that um man I, I just can't imagine what it's going to be like to be be with him forever in heaven and and to have all all these things and understanding and be in the presence before him just totally wrapped in our in our hearts and souls and basically be what it's like to be back in that in that garden with him so um man i, I tell oh. you you know we're this is uh it's pretty cool we're completely in two different locations and it's uh it's gone pretty well man i've really you know you and i were back and forth on whether we'd actually tackle this tonight and i think what we even forgot in that moment is that it's you know it's not what you and I have all written out or what we have to do. It's what's God, what God wants to do and what he's going to have. And uh, regardless of whether someone listens all the way through this podcast or not, man, it's just been um, really encouraged and uh, motivated by something that we've talked about probably, you know, 15, 20 times. Yet there are some things tonight that, that came up that I've never even thought about or understood but together through fellowship and the spirit and understanding just uh floating yeah i don't i couldn't say that any better it's i mean many times like tonight you know not not really feeling it but it doesn't matter what you feel and then i'm feeling it now obviously it's uh exactly what you said i mean it's you know spending time in the word and looking at the truth that just motivates and Encourages and got feeling the fellowship part of it. Um, it's a reminder that if you if you wait until you feel like it's everything's right to do it, it you know, you're really kind of robbing yourself of um, what God has planned. Yeah, I mean He's or is willing to give you. I always, I mean, I can say this: it's easier said than done, but. He's already he's already died for the sins that I haven't even committed yet, which is hard to fathom. It doesn't make them okay to go off and just sin, you know, that sin can abound. That's written in the New Testament, but just the fact that he knows that and it's I don't know. It's part of this thing. Don't don't think that we it's it's like the whole story, man. We don't have anything to bring to it. So uh, well if you don't uh if you don't mind, I'll uh, Go ahead and close us. Amen. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just, I thank you for your word, Lord, and I thank you you continually remind me, um, and especially in this friendship with Kenny, uh, just that, Lord, you, you get me out of the way and um, teach me. You teach us and give us understanding that we don't deserve. And, uh, Lord, I, I just am really challenged by um, the things that you teach me, and yet within a moment I can forget about that challenge, that you continue to, to love me and reveal yourself to me and to us. Um, in amazing ways and it's I just let's just think about my my own child and looking at Kenny with his children and thinking about 
the things that we will do for them and try to show them and teach them. Even when maybe they don't quite understand yet. I think about right now my daughter not being able to comprehend the words I say. She can read some of the language and the intonation in my voice and maybe even some facial expression, but I understand some of the things that I, I say to her. She doesn't get them, but yet at some level, it's still important that we present those because when the time comes that she can, it's important that it's available. And uh, I thank you that you give us children and that you allow us to understand even in just a small way, in a glimpse of what you see when you see us. Lord, we don't deserve your word. We don't deserve the life that you give us. But yet you, um, you do. And uh, thank you so much for that and for the understanding. I pray that, though I know I already take it for granted, that we, we don't take it for granted. We see you for who you are and that you continue to have a relationship with us. And, uh, you are just showing us your word and that it's been something that you have sent out on the earth. It's true and it's written. And even not written, it's true when you put it on our hearts. Uh, and this... Uh, this son, the only son of you that you sent. Um, thank you for him, Lord. And uh, love you. We thank you for loving us first. Call us in your name. Amen.